0: Go to CloudOptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's CloudOptimizer.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Curtain Call podcast. My name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. As always, we have uh, Jeffrey Benedict joining us here tonight. Jeffrey, how are you do- doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great, Michael. Doing great. That is wonderful news. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you've already seen him over uh, throughout the Behind the Steel Curtains of family podcast, podcasts and uh, seen his written work over at the website, Mr. Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing tonight, sir?
1: I'm doing great. Good to be here with you, gentlemen.
0: Hey, and Shannon, is someone you're going to start seeing a whole heck of a lot more of here on Wednesday nights. Um, I, uh, I've started a, a new uh, career endeavor myself, uh, which uh, will have a bit of a fluctuating schedule. So, unfortunately, if, if you're tuning in right now, this is a, a pseudo goodbye for me on Wednesday nights. And uh, both Shannon and Jeffrey will be taking over the curtain call Wednesdays, breaking down all the action between uh, the draft, the season, once they get there. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. We are we are going to celebrate uh, the show by having the three of us uh, go on tonight here and uh, break things down for the Pittsburgh Steelers and kind of uh, overarching the draft uh, itself here today. Things that can go right and wrong is the the topic of conversation here. Now, the first thing off the top here, and Shannon, we'll start with you on this. What's your absolute perfect? Day one draft scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What's what's the perfect cards? How does that fall into you when it whether it's the twentieth pick, trading back, trading up? What's the perfect scenario?
1: Well, the perfect scenario. I I've always when you have a deep draft like this year, I'd like to see them trade back, but I know it's not their mo. But we need two receivers. If we could get two good receivers out of this draft, uh, an defensive lineman. Uh, I'm not as worried about quarterback. It's up to them. If one of these guys tickle their fancy and, and they just think, Hey, I got to have him and he could develop, you know, I've, I've been on the Ritter train for a while. I started watching him a couple of years ago and I thought he, he has a presence and a composure in the pocket. Uh, if you watch him, I watch body language and, and uh, facial expressions and demeanor on the sidelines, you know, anytime I can catch a glimpse of that, I, I'm always looking to see because, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you don't want bad body language and, and you want to to try to, I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, Tom Brady screaming and cussing out every one of his linemen. If if you're a certain, once you've reached that level of goat, you can get away with that. But you don't want your your rookie quarterback coming in and trying to do that. And But uh, I've I've always been really impressed by him. I know a lot of people disagree with me. Uh, it, it seems like you either love him or hate him, but if they think he's the guy, I would pull the trigger. If not, I wouldn't worry about quarterback this year, but yeah. it, for me, I love sky more. You know, everybody knows that I've wrote an article about him to me. He's an AB clone without the drama. Uh, <laughs> he, he can, he can get open, but you know, that's what Deontay Johnson so good at, but Deontay Johnson is terrible after the catch. If he can, if he, he's got quickness, he can get value, but he don't break no tackles and he'll go down or run out of bounds the first chance he gets, because he's, he's got a really thin frame. Whereas Sky Moore is more along the lines of a smaller Debo Samuel. Let's say he's built more like a running back. And once he gets that ball in his hands, he's tough to bring down. I think that would give them a, a really a, something they don't have right at the moment. And then there's a couple of other receivers that I'd really like to see him get, um, and I had an article post today about Alex uh, Pierce from Cincinnati, who kind of reminds me of Chase Claypool, who can actually high point the ball. So uh, I, I'm not excited about the future with Johnson and Claypool. Uh, so I would, you know, I at least want to have insurance policies in case these guys don't completely bounce back. The problem is, all these guys I want, who says that somebody ain't going to take them before the Steelers ever get a chance. And that happens every year, and I'm sitting there disappointed, you know. But, uh, like last year, I won the Creed Humphreys bad. Everybody know that, but you know, they passed on him twice. Now, I mean, I'm happy with who they got, you know, don't get me wrong, but, um, I just thought that Creed Humphreys was would have been a real solution to that offensive line problem in the middle last year. But again, I think they started to rebuild last year, and It's going to take a couple of seasons. They don't want to call it a rebuild, but I think that's what it is, especially when you're playing that many rookies. So, a perfect draft. I'd like to see him get a couple of receivers. Maybe in the first get somebody like White from Georgia, a defensive lineman, who I think would be perfect for the Stiller scheme. Sky Moore in the second. Uh, Third round, I love Chad Muma, but I don't think he'll be there. But if if another inside linebacker, a Buck linebacker, uh, Darian Beavers from Cincinnati, somebody like that, and then in the fourth, you know, maybe a Pierce or somebody of that nature, Uh, I'd be real happy with those first four rounds, and then they could do projects the rest of the way.
0: Hey, absolutely. And even speaking of your Ritter pick, he's someone that uh, I even saw like a year ago, and I was like, this guy has like the AFC North type of frame. Like he's a shade under 6'4". He's athletic. He plays in the AFC North environment, played in Cincinnati like the guy knows how to play here, much like Kenny Pickett, but he's got the size that Pickett is is lacking that I know a lot of people are afraid of. But Jeffrey, uh, oh, shit. oh, the Little hand Hanks. size, yeah. Little hands, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It, whoever takes Kenny Pickett, they're never, ever going to hear uh, the end of that one. That's going to be one of the frustrating conversations until <laughs> the end of time with him. But uh, <laughs> past that, Jeffrey, I, I do want to get your opinion as well on uh, the perfect draft, the absolute ideal scenario. Of course, it'd be easy to say, oh, Aiden Hutchinson, instead of going in the top three, he ends up falling all the way and you just have the one of the nastiest pass rushing duos <laughs> ever. But uh, what, what's the realistic perfect scenario for you?
2: My first day, perfect scenario, right? People who've been following the show know last year my perfect first two rounds would have been Christian Barmore in the first mm. and then Creed Humphrey in the second. I would have been happy with that. Yeah. I'm going the same strategy again this year. I want Devontae Wyatt in the first round. And then the Steelers shot maybe even a trade back. You know, trade back of it. He's he's not that high, you know, on the list, supposedly. Trade back into the first round. And at the very end of the first day of the draft, they come back up. And they pick up our guy, our center. You can go ahead. What's his name there, Michael? <sighs> the kid from Iowa, a bit of a stud, Tyler Linderbaum. Tyler Linderbaum. <laughs> that's my that's my dream day one. The rest of the draft, I don't care. Like I know there's other positions we need, but if you you give me a, a stud defensive lineman and a center that just beats people up, man, I'm good. I'm good. I, let's go watch football.
0: Yeah, hey, you know what, that, for whatever reason, uh, Linderbaum keeps dropping, much like what happened in the centers last year. I know he's a, a tad undersized, but the, the guy knows how to play the position. It's not mm-hmm. unlike Kendrick Green, who's, who struggled. And one of the issues that I, I've seen with him is just, like, it, the, the lack of, I hate to say ability, but that's kind of what it is. Like, like he, yeah, he has the technical. The exactly. So, in that sense, it's kind of confusing, especially because how dominant he was throughout his career at Iowa. So, oh man, if the Steelers traded back in the first round, I think everyone would be like, oh, "Okay, this is the quarterback." If they went not quarterback with the first pick, they're like, "Okay, this is <laughs> X quarterback." That's the, the top of the market, and then uh, for them to take Linderbomb, like I know the two of us at the very least, I, I'm, I'm curious I'd, if I'd Shannon be would be losing all, my mind. I'd be so happy. I, I, I yeah, I'd be through the moon. Um, uh, but, uh, shadow, what are your thoughts on Tyler Linderbaum? Just to make sure you're a good fit for the show. First of all, <laughs>
1: yeah. well, I hope, I hope, that ain't the, the requirements. Uh, I don't know if you've read any of my articles or we've discussed it on Slack. Um, uh, he's, he's easily the best center prospect this, this season, uh, last year, I thought it was a really deep class and I had so many people argue with me, but there was so many guys with Landon Dickerson, a Creed Humphrey, mm-hmm. and, um, Even Trey Hugh and and I know there's guys I'm forgetting. Uh, I don't think he ended up playing uh, center for uh, Denver. But um oh crap, what was his name? Mertz. Oh yeah, yeah, Quentin yeah. Mertz. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. all of them guys. Yeah. yeah, they all played good. And and I actually like Green as a third or fourth round target because you know he's very explosive and athletic and good mobility. Uh but where he was, I wouldn't expect him to try to be a starter and then they're throwing him in there and he's very inexperienced and anybody, I think you played some offensive line if I was thinking, and it takes time to develop chemistry and develop the little tricks to the trade, so to speak. And green was just, he started doing a little bit better when they had a full compliment and Dodson was in there next to him to help him. But when Dodson went out green, it got in his head and it's like, the paralyzation of overthinking. He he was thinking too much and ended up not doing anything. He wanted to do everything and ended up not doing nothing. But I like Linderbaum. I think his arms is even shorter than Green's, but he knows how to compensate for that yeah. because of his experience. And he's went to you know offensive lineman factory at Iowa. If they come out of there, look at Daniels. See that's who I'm really excited about
2: mm-hmm. is
1: get Daniels on that line. I know that Jeffrey and I had talked before. I'd like to see. Uh, Dodson go back to his natural right side
0: yeah.
1: and then have Daniels so he could play center or either guard spot. Let Daniels play that left side. I know that Dodson and Moore had a chemistry, but they could try it out this preseason. You know, have yep. Dodson uh, and him flop during some of the games, have uh, uh Okafor, or for, I mean, and Moore swap, you know, so they could both play both positions if need be. Because we know Daniels could play center. That's what he played at Iowa. And then you got Cole, uh, who shows that he's a functional, you know, a- adequate center. So um that's the only reason I'm not as excited about going after Linderbaum mm. is just because I Holy think care. that they've started to develop some options there. And if they take Linderbaum, eventually I figure they're the Green or Cole one won't be around. And Cole can play mm. guard. Green cannot play guard in the NFL. Mm. I don't think. I just think Green's too short. Uh, I'm with I Shannon don't, on that one.
2: And I, I, just I'm don't, too. I, don't I don't see him NFL being player, able to
1: handle honestly. the power. You know, all these guards nowadays, what, 330 to 340? That's yeah. your biggest line. I mean, yeah. as far as your girth. And uh, I just don't see Green. I think he's either going to be a center or he won't be in the NFL.
0: Yeah, for me, I kind of see Kendrick Green as more that interior three backup BJ Finney type. Like, he, mm. he might give you a good game or a good half. If you throw him in, but yeah, no, I, I just I've never seen it from him. And to be fair, with Linderbaum as well, both Jeffrey and myself, Um, once they signed both Mason Cole and James Daniels, it was kind of like we, we kind of stopped talking about it as much as we wanted it <laughs> to happen because now, like it, it just doesn't seem as likely. It, it would still be welcome by me, but by, by any means, it's just because oh, yeah. his talent. So, that and that's too fine. many. No, absolutely, you have too many interior no, linemen. No, and the thing right now is until the Steelers sign a, a strong safety and add perhaps another receiver, they have to make those moves early in this draft as well. If they don't have, you mm-hmm. can't go into like if, if the first preseason game were to start tomorrow, you can't have miles Killebrews. You're starting strong. Like it, you mm-hmm. can't do that. Like as much as I love him as a special teamer, he should not like he he had some decent flashes on a couple plays, but he should never be anything more than that. Mm-hmm. Like someone that a rotational piece, so in that sense, like the Steelers need somebody. And if they don't, if they don't sign someone, man, oh man, that first or second round pick probably better be a strong safety or they better be crawling their knees back to Trell Edmonds to actually uh, get something back in that place. So until that happens, I I, I have a hard time seeing a, a Linderbaum actually being that realistic. Who knows? There's still, what, about 22 days. I guess uh, if you're listening on the podcast platform, it'd be 21 days till the first round um as the the moment of recording of this podcast but a lot of time so we'll we'll have to wait and see but with the positive does come the negative so Shannon I'll start with you again on this one what is the absolute worst case in in your mind of course the the team's going to know more things than we do but is there players is is there a mindset is trading up for a quarterback the absolute worst thing they could do is is reaching on, on a position uh because a bunch of quarterbacks already gone the worst thing they could do or what, what, in your mind, is the worst outcome of uh, potential in the first round?
1: I think they've had a plan this whole offseason, and they're getting young guys right off their first contract that they could put together and they could grow together as a team so that when they do find their next quarterback, whether to be a franchise guy or not, we don't know, you know, till they prove it. But they're putting together a team that can grow together. And I think that's been very wise. I think that's one reason why they haven't went after some of these veteran guys because they're wanting to stay younger. And I think, uh, Rooney even said that, but for me, either reaching for a quarterback, if just to take a quarterback that, you know, when they have, when you're in the middle of a rebuild, I just don't like that idea or reaching for, let's say reach for another position like, uh, there's some tackle prospects, but I don't think there's after the top three, I don't think that there's any first rounders in there. I think if you get Penning or one of them guys in the second round, that's why a trading back would be good. Uh, I think, you, you know, cause he's going to be a project. And even when he does play, I think he's a right tackle. So, you know, I don't want to see him reach for a position like that. Uh, I'd rather see him sign a, uh, a veteran or an experienced strong safety. I have no problem with Edmunds coming back, but now, you know, he might have some hard feelings about the way things went. And it sounds like that there's an offer on the table, supposedly, and he ain't signing it yet. He might be waiting to see what um, the honey badger does, but you know, and that can set the wheels in motion right there, but um, there's some, you know, pretty good uh, strong safety prospects, but I don't know if you want to go into it with a rookie. And right now they have nobody. Carl Joseph or Killeru, I, I like both guys, but they're not sorters.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, like I like Jaquan Brisker. I like Lewis. Sign. I have a hard time imagining Cal Hamilton making it to twenty, despite some of these reports. So yeah, like that's the safety sense. Like oh, you do not. Like I just don't want a rookie there. I like I, I oh and. To your point as well, I think taking a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback, there's a decent chance you're just burning a first round pick, and then you start that Cleveland Browns quarterback jersey where you just keep adding nameplates to it. It just keeps growing because you're just spending picks at quarterback because you need a quarterback. Just get it, definitely the right one.
1: trade up. You know, give mm. up draft capital for a guy that because about all these guys our risk, you know, there's a little bit of projection there. There are more projects than sure things. Oh yeah. And, and you're giving up draft capital. It's very important for this team right now who has to get some game changers to fill the talent coffins again, coffers again. And so, yeah, I don't want to see them trading up for sure.
0: Yeah. And right now it, it feels like there's the potential that Malik Willis could go as high as two, regardless of mm-hmm. his talent actually being, worthy of that pick so if the Steelers are really in love with this guy oh man they might have to trade heaven and high water to be able to get there I I I just I I just can't see that happening and if three quarterbacks are gone we know that Ritter's got the rocket up his butt uh teams like Kenny Pickett Malik Willis is obviously high uh if you're settling on Sam Howell like I don't hate Howell if it's a second or third round pick but even in that sense uh, it, it feels like you could be just burning draft capital. But Jeffrey, I I do want to turn this conversation towards you here. Negative wise, what is the worst outcome? This first round's over. You're sitting there like, oh man, why did that happen? Well,
2: first, first I want to address the whole safety thing. I agree with you guys. Unless Kyle Hamilton falls, which I'd be fine. You know what? I'm fine with that. Uh, There's a lot of good safeties in this draft, but they're not ones you're going to put in the role Terrell Edmonds played last year. Right, That is a very difficult role. I've got a film room coming out later this week about Terrell Edmonds' role in this defense and how much he was asked to do, how many different things he was asked to do to allow Minka Fitzpatrick to to be in a position to thrive, but also allow the cornerbacks to keep an easier task. So if you're not massively upgrading cornerback, you're going to need a a safety who can do all those things. You're going to want a veteran right? So I agree with that. Like, uh, what's his name? Jaquan Jaquan Brisker. We talked about him last time out of Penn State. Love the dude. Not a good fit for what the Pittsburgh Steelers need this year, right? And if we had a guy, if like Edmonds had one more year on his deal, you could be like, all right, yeah, bring him in. You got a third safety. And then next year, boom, he starts. But that's not the situation they're in. The worst case scenario for me, we already mentioned some of it, trade up for a quarterback. (laughs) I'm not trading up for a quarterback in this draft because like these, I'm sorry, these guys aren't first round quarterbacks. Like we've got Malik Willis going like in the top three, love his potential, love his potential, but the dude has so much improvement he needs to make. You go to other, like people compared to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was much more polished than oh, yeah. Malik Willis, like much more, right? Coming out. And, and he went 11th, right? He was 11th. This dude, they're talking about him going in the top three. That tells you what kind of class this is. I don't want training up for that. Uh, as a, as a, I'm going to go back to my standard here, if if we go through day two, and at the end of day two, the Steelers don't have a defensive lineman, I'm going to be ticked. I'm going to be upset because I think that's a big-time need on this roster with us. Love Tyson Alu-Alu. Love Stefan it. They're not young. They're both coming off injuries. We don't know what all we have there. Uh, I'm not sold on Chris <laughs> Wormley. We have Martavis. We have, no, I was going to say Martavis Bryant. I always do this. What's his name? Martavius Montravius Adams. Montravius Adams. You're right, man. I'm terrible with names. But, like, you need two of those guys. Mm. You need two of Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, and Tyson Aluwalu to be at the top of their game. Yeah. Just for this defensive line to function. If you've only got one of them, you're done. And if one of those guys drops off, then you need the other two to work out, right, and not get hurt for this line to work. So that's why I think you add a young guy with just a brawler, someone who can come in and be something right off the bat. The other thing that can go wrong is if you get through the draft without addressing, of course, defensive line, the other two positions in my mind you have to address. And this is, of course, assuming that they do sign a safety, right, that they sign yeah, a veteran they have safety. They have You've to. got to address wide receiver we've only got two and you've got to address cornerback in my opinion i think you need like somewhere in there uh, even down to round four you need a cornerback that can play yeah.
0: yeah absolutely with the receivers in this division like i like i like levi wallace i like a witherspoon I, I still like cam hey or cam 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 sutton to a degree <laughs> But oh man, if Arthur Moletra nickel, ugh, that's painful. Like heck, a first round corner. I'm still, I'm okay with that. I like, I'm not losing sleep if the Steelers go corner in the first round. I, I think that could help. <laughs> uh, big reaction from Shannon there. I, I'm curious your thoughts on that.
1: Well, man's not here, or I would, I would drive him crazy with what I'm getting ready to say because he, he it drives him crazy when I say it. But I'm just, I'm scared. Of the Steelers taking a first round quarterback, <laughs>
0: okay. Fair That's if fair. it's
1: if it seems like if it's a top 10 guy, I, I would feel better about it. But when you like at 20, there, people's talking about Stingley from LSU he had a great freshman year, mm-hmm. then you know, he got injured, he hasn't been as effective. I think he ran a four, three, seven, and then they said it was four, four, four. But you know, he's been batting that. That speed range, adequate speed, but he's a little bit frail. He's a, I, I like cornerbacks who tackle. Mm. That's my problem with Witherspoon. Witherspoon's great coverage, but tackle is a suggestion to him, not it's something he's really committed to doing. So, uh, you have to use him a certain way for him to be effective. Now, if you just put him out there and just, you know, say at the end of this game, tell me what kind of gun that guy's doing, he can do it. He'll, he'll he's good in coverage. But you don't – if they run the ball to that side, you better have some linebackers to get over because he ain't going to do anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: uh, so I'm just leery of them taking a first-round quarterback. I can't get past it. I guess maybe when they do get one and they can develop one, which they might can now with Austin and Flores and everything, um, <laughs> then I'll feel better about it. But right now I'm still scared to death of them taking a quarterback in the first.
0: Yeah. Like, for me, if they if they do go with the Stingley, like another guy that's not the best tackler – you have to go get, like, I, I'm sorry for bringing the name up again, but you have to go get the safety that tackles the best that's remaining. Go get Tyron Matthew. Like, I'm sorry. You, you need defensive backs around them that can get guys to the ground. So, like, you, you have to back that up by getting an improvement on the back end there. So, keep bringing it up. Jeffrey, go ahead. I know you brought it up, and we just got potential word that maybe we're, the
2: Steelers are a little more in than people were thinking there for a while on Matthew with him saying, According like, to- him saying his, uh, he, this is what his third time in free agency and money isn't the number one issue. He wants to go to like a good team. He talked about like culture. He talked about like the players he plays with. You know, like, hey, maybe the Steelers are still in on this. I'm, it's going to be interesting to see. I think he is the domino that falls. I, I'm interested by the idea that we have an offer on the table for Trell Edmonds. I don't yeah. know the, the, all the details on that. Is that Terrell Edmonds waiting or is that the Steelers saying, Hey buddy, you know, we're going to, you know, check out honey badger. And if that doesn't work out, this is the deal we have for you. So like, don't go signing for less than this, you know, unless, and, you know, just right now, cause we may, we may be able to give you this kind of a thing. I don't know what all that is. Uh, either of those would work. Either of them would be great. I just be happy. But yeah, I, I, it's kind of hanging there, like maybe we're still in on this.
0: Hey, I I wouldn't be surprised. Like some of the things he said, especially after his visit to New Orleans, like he basically said, like I don't think they need me. Like it'd be great to play at home. And again, I'll never fault a player ever for going home. Like yeah. if, if you want to play in your home state, power to you. Absolutely, go home, be with your family. Like I'm not I'm not going to question my favorite Steeler doing that either. I, I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. It. So if he wants to do that, that's great. New Orleans signed four other safeties this offseason. So, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Think of the other yeah. teams that need safeties. There's not many. Indianapolis signed a safety today, too, I believe. That was another team that needed one. Uh, the, the Raiders, they signed someone a couple weeks ago. I'm blanking on the name, but, like, everyone's signing safeties. The Ravens were another team. They signed Marcus Williams. Everyone is doing – like, the Steelers are still they – they have the starting opportunity. You can play in a great defense. You can play with good coaches. So – yeah, absolutely, they're in on it. But I do want to back up a little bit here because you talked about the quarterbacks, Jeffrey, in the sense that they aren't r- true first-round quarterbacks. I call this the Kyle Trask test-, test. A year ago, 64th overall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. End of the second round. How many quarterbacks this year, Jeffrey Benedict, would go ahead of Kyle Trask a year ago? That 64th pick. How many would actually be selected above sixty four? Oh, I think we'd get like...
2: I'm thinking of in my head, five, four or five? five? You, I still, still think they're, they're
0: there. Well, but like Trask was in this this draft class, he's a second pick still, second round pick still. Probably. Mm. Yeah, I'd say, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd say he is. Okay. I, I, I go on a different dimension. I'm like, like I look at Lamar Jackson, right? Lamar Jackson was the 28th pick, and you had the question marks around him that drove him down to end of the first round right almost all these guys have question marks they're not talking
0: like, about the question marks though they're only saying the No positives. they're not
2: because no they've all does. got them it's not there's not like you know there's this quarterback and then these other guys are like here because this quarterback they don't have this and this guy doesn't have this you know instead it's like well they've all got flaws so both well, they're all even so they're both are all back in the first round again because all of them have flaws right it's almost like if they're all if all you have is third-round quarterbacks, then your third-round quarterbacks are first-round quarterbacks because they're quarterbacks. And yeah. oh, I'm 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 not on board with that. I'm not on board with that. My my number one quarterback from this class is Kenny Pickett. I think he's the best corp just simply because he's shown NFL-ready traits. And if there's anything I've learned following the Steelers, following other teams in the draft, if a guy shows he can do it. Believe he can do it. If a guy doesn't show he can do it, don't just assume he can do it, right? (laughs) Pickett can can read a field and go boom, boom, boom. That guy's the one that's open, right? That's the most important trade in an NFL quarterback. That's number one. You have to be able to progress through reads and find the right guy. You have to be able to read the defense, figure out where to go through, progress through the reads as they change up the look post-snap. If you can't do that, like – We've all seen the Steelers just absolutely destroy first-round quarterbacks who couldn't mm-hmm. read a defense post-snap because they've got no clue what's going on and they just get sacked. Like, you have to be able to do that. And there's questions about most of these quarterbacks. Can they even do that? We don't know. So I, I am I am not high on any of the quarterbacks. I don't think Kenny Pickett is a first-round pick. Like, he's late, telling to the first, early, second-round level quarterback. To me, yeah, I agree. But he's probably going top 16. yeah. And do you
1: think that Pickett, you know, I think he's the oldest. He is. Of, I was gonna he, bring that up. He's 24 and, turning 25. Yeah, I don't so care about he, the age of a quarterback. He really. should be. He should be more advanced than these other guys. These I don't other, think I don't these care about other guys can set two years and yeah. then come in. You know, I mean, you don't want to take a guy in the first round and him set two years. But let's say you yeah. you could get a Ritter in the second round or, or – 22, or, I believe. Or Corral.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're all 22 or younger. Yeah. I think Willis is 20 turning 21,
1: if I'm not mistaken, or he's 21. Yeah, they 21. can sit two or three years before they're his age. So he should be the most ready. But they're, they're not, gonna sit, <laughs> no, they're not going to sit, though. No. They're not going Like If you're
2: first-rounder, they're going to play you. Yeah. That's <laughs> the problem with them. They're going to need to sit, and they're not going to get the chance. They're not going to. Uh,
0: like, I, I think if the Steelers do go quarterback, like, obviously you are getting off the rails a little bit here with the quarterback talk. But like, I think if they do ultimately go quarterback in the first round, uh, I think they you still see Trubisky for a year, and then it's a competition where the guy wins it wins it outright next year and takes over that starting job. I think that's regardless of who it is. I think that's the route we kind of see them go down. So, well, I'm not Just, Mitchell Trubisky was the number two pick it's true and what was his weakness uh, right? pocket awareness not being able to throw to the ball to the left side of the field um well, i don't like, know, a few like picking
2: up reads picking up the stuff playing using the whole field basic nfl things right and what's his knock today he's still not good at that stuff that's not he, stuff you go to the nfl and learn
1: but didn't not he, many people do wasn't he like a one-year starter also
0: yeah, I think you're and right. So yeah. I
1: think he come in. He was really raw. They threw mm-hmm. him in there with Chicago's where quarterbacks go to die. That's a yeah. graveyard. I mean, when he's holds a is. lot of the records for them for completion percentage and touchdown to interception percentage, when Jim McMahon is considered maybe one of your top quarterbacks of all time, you're yeah. not a quarterback factory. That's for sure. You're not. You're
2: <laughs> not. It, it Cornel Stewart ranks, ranks pretty decently <laughs> on that list. Yeah.
0: Jay Cutler to is
2: like number three, uh, their best third best quarterback of all time. Something like
0: that. I feel like someone could argue him being like the best for the bears too. <laughs> well, just in a yeah, in a longevity and
2: total wins and everything. He's one of the best quarterbacks they've ever had. Like, come on. That's no, exactly.
0: Insane. Is he even three for the Steelers? Like, you no. know, like Mm-mm. exactly, exactly. So just moving on though, with today's topic, of course, the best and the worst things that can happen to the draft here, Shannon. I want to turn this over to you. It just, out of curiosity, what are the, the deepest and the weakest positions of this draft class? Where can the Steelers wait to take players and what what positions do they have to take early because it, it's just going to dry up?
1: I think wide receiver is really deep. Uh, but the need is so great.
0: Mm, true. If
1: you if you pass, you know, in the first couple of rounds, you know, maybe the t- guy you really want to target will be gone. So I think they could take one maybe even the second round. And then you can wait till like the fourth round. Well, they don't have a fifth round. Wait till the fourth round, unless they trade back in or something, you know, maybe trade louder milk to move back in. I don't know. But they <laughs> there's some guys that are one trick ponies, some just pure speed guys that keep, you know, uh, I think the I think his name's is Melvin is his last name, the kid from Rutgers.
0: I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Oh, my um, God. Armand? No. I'll
1: look it up. A, I think it's Melvin. And then there's a, a Gray, uh Gray, Danny Gray from SMU, who, who's got good speed. He's not necessarily, you know, uh, the height you want for a deep guy. But, you know, Sky Moore, I mean, he could get deep. He's a four four guy, a little under. Mm-hmm. But he's like AB. He, he's got such great footwork and can sell it. He gets deep all the time. And that's what AB could do. And everybody knew AB was faster than his 40 time. I mean, you know, I don't know what happened when he tested, but those, you know, Antonio Brown was much faster than his 40 time would suggest. Uh, but there's guys there that, that you know, I don't want to see a miss on. Um, you know, defensive line, you want somebody, there's some projects out there, but, you know, you got like uh, Travis Jones and Wine and, and uh, Davis, and there's some big boys that, go come in and play immediately, at least as part of the rotation. And those are two huge areas of need. Offensive line isn't as big a need, so you can, you know, kind of bring in a project tackle or somebody of that nature. But, um, yeah, I, I think the safeties, I agree a lot with Jeffries. I don't know who they could bring in that they would want to be starting this year. I'm not as sold on uh, Hamilton as a lot of people. Um, I I like him. He's, he's, he looks great on tape, on film. Uh, I'm not as worried about his 40 time because we you know that can be overrated. But uh, his physicality, to me, he plays more like a free safety than he does a strong safety. So if he fell to us, I don't know how he's going to fit in our defense. Well, not our defense, still his defense. That's a habit I got to break. Um, I don't know how he's going to fit the Steelers defense, you know, if he's not that physical. And, uh, so I think that, like I said, wide receiver and the defensive line, that's where I think they ought to look. And if they don't, uh, you know, the pass rushers, the edge guys, there's a lot of depth there. Now, a lot of them is going to take a little bit, but there's a lot of talent. So.
0: Uh, the name uh, I looked it up, but also a few members of our live chat did as well. Uh, Bo Melton is the receiver Melton. of uh, yeah. Rutgers.
1: What not I calling?
0: Uh, Melvin.
1: Melvin, no, it's Melton.
0: Yeah, yes, we got there. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey, I
0: also want to I want to ask you the same question. Do you, do you have Do you have any different opinion on the strengths and weaknesses of this
2: draft class? Oh, that was actually the exact same answer I was going to give. I think it's the obvious ones. If you do want defensive line, you've got to take it early. That's why I say if they get to day three without one. I would be upset because you're not getting one. You're not getting an impact player for this year, right? You're not getting somebody who's a stud who you can develop into a leader on that line. You know, you're going to have to do it later. Uh, for me, obviously wide receiver is deep. I'm, I'm a big fan on that. Um, but let me see if I can come up with another one. Uh, I think, I think cornerback is deeper than it looks. I think there's some options there. Uh and let me see another shallow point i'm not sold i think it's i think it's offensive line is one that i was like there's some of, some of the offensive line positions i'm like there's not a lot of good caliber players there you know you're going to have to go early if you want to get one but really really the story is wide receiver is deep but i would i would take this and go slightly bit different with it the wide receiver class is deep because a lot of wide receivers are going to be overdrafted. And they're going to be overdrafted because we had a great combine this year. They went crazy. There's a new guy timing. All the speeds were fast, everything. <laughs> People are like, whoa, all these guys have great times. Not everyone with a great time has good film. Not everyone with a great combine can yeah. actually do it on the field, right? There's some players out there that are absolutely ridiculous athletes who haven't shown they can do it on a football field that you're probably going to see some team that values that over, you know, actual production, go out and grab them. Uh, I think you could find some really good wide receivers falling in the draft similar to how, you know, simply going back to the obvious, the obvious uh comp- parallel here to 2009 when the Raiders take Darius Hayward Bay in the first round and the Steelers get Mike Wallace in the third, mm. the best deep Receiver in the class went in the third round, but people were drafting guys well before that because, well, this guy's taller and he's, he's faster. And well, but can he play, right? Can they actually play football? You're going to be able to find some wide receivers. I think a little later that can play football that may not be a superstar, but could be, you know, your, your number two, number three guy and allow you to, to have three good receivers and and maybe move on from Deontay Johnson after the season.
0: Yeah, especially with the the receiver prices that are coming through the pipeline right now, uh, I'm I'm not paying Deontay Johnson 22 million a year. I, I'm not. I, no. I think everyone's in agreement here. It just, no. it, it's not helping your team. Like I can understand. Like it made sense when you paid Antonio Brown to make him the best uh, highest paid receiver in football. Like it made sense because the guy had league MVP potential. If he didn't get hurt yeah. in what 2017, he probably he probably would have been the league MVP over Brady. Like he missed it, like the last three games. He was a clubhouse leader. Yep until that calf injury took him out for a couple weeks. So unless they're that level, you you can't justify spending like a tenth of your cap on a receiver that's not, that's not producing and just getting open on every play. Like you just can't yeah. do that.
2: Antonio Brown drove the entire offense, right? Mm-hmm. You could run your offense through Antonio Brown and everyone else had an easier time because of him. That's not Deontay Johnson. Right, that's Literally. not what Deontay Johnson Literally. does. Nobody's sitting there saying, "Well, <laughs> Pat Firemouth has it easy because Deontay Johnson's on the team." No one's saying that. Like that's yeah. not yeah. that's not the situation. He's a yeah. good receiver. He's not a game changing receiver. You can't pay him that big money.
0: No, absolutely. Now, just kind of sticking with the theme of uh, how things can go right. Um, I'll start with you, Shannon, on this late round prospect. If there's one that comes to mind that if the Steelers can get this guy saying the fourth, fifth, sixth like like a day three pick or the back end of uh, day two, who's the name that you're like this is the perfect player to get in a late round?
1: There's so many projects. Uh, you know, we've had Andrew and him have interviewed uh, Carnell Lake's son and uh, you've got Cam Hayward's brother. And and there's all these guys that people are talking about and, but as far as a project, I'm not sure. Um, there's the, uh, kid from Jackson state. Um, Houston's his last name. I don't, I can't remember his first name, but he's an undersized pass rusher. Um, I think, you know, an outside linebacker, uh, very athletic dominated in that level. Uh, I I could see a guy like him picking him up in the seventh round and seeing if you could develop him because um, Tushka and I guess they're going to have Avery as playing, you know, an edge position. Uh, So they might be a position there for obviously for another edge guy. I kind of wanted them to get Taco back. Yeah. But he performed well. Yeah. I mean, and, and he did what they needed him to do in his limited usage and I thought he would have been a, a good guy to re-sign, but, uh, you know, he went to the Saints, and, and, uh, but, you know, I think they're pretty high on Tushka. And, you know, he actually started making some plays towards the end of the year. Uh, wasn't just another body out there. So, um, I've not been that impressed with Avery, so I would like to see him get a, a project there to develop. And 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 uh, the, that kid, Houston, he could be one.
0: Jeffrey, I want to ask you the same question. Uh, like a, a mid to later round prospect that you're like, uh, this is the guy. I, I want them to go after this guy. If they get him in a later round, I, I'm I'm popping champagne bottles. Oh, you're you're muted. Did you put your mic on? Yeah. <laughs> High quality. You're still muted. Uh oh. Still muted. Still muted.
2: Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I did, I was not listening, to you guys. I was ranting and not listening. This i was going to say Shannon stole my guys again. He did it again. Uh, my number one guy there is is James Houston, the guy he brought up. Uh, he's an edge rusher, built like an inside linebacker. He played linebacker, like, and to me, that screams like Brian Flores, like special kind of player here because that's what he does. He takes. Middle linebackers and puts them on the outside. He takes outline side linebackers, puts them on the inside, has everybody rush. He blitzes anybody and everybody, right? A guy that can has that skill set in a Brian Flores defense. You could see, like, not Micah Parsons, right? Not that level, but you could see a guy come out and have five sacks as a rookie playing like spot, like just playing random places and coming in and playing different stuff and just being mixed up and mixed around in the rotation. And, and come in and, and produce. So he's he's one I would absolutely love to see. And then the absolute number one guy is, of course, Connor Hayward, future all-pro, fullback, <laughs> tight end, H-back, touchdown guy. No, he's the kind of guy, you, you put him at H-back, he's primary a blocker, and then, you know, he goes Isaac Redman and has some crazy touchdown against the Ravens to win you a game, and everyone's just going crazy, like, that's who I see when I look at him is, a, is like, bring him on. Obviously, we're not cutting Derek Watt this year, but bring him on. He can be the number three tight end. He can play on special teams. He can be the number two fullback. He can run the ball. He can be our number four running back or a short yardage back or something, you know, whatever. He can he can do multiple things. And then next year, he moves into a bigger role as, as, as we let Derek Watt go.
0: Hey, absolutely. And you know what? I would be okay with having one less run. Like, do we need both Kalen Balazs and Benny Snell? No. Like, you can have Connor Hayward on your team, and if you run into injury issues, you can use one of your fullbacks in the backfield. It would be fine. For me, if there was a name, like, the running backs aren't super high in this draft class, which I think makes sense. It should be an every-year thing. Could you imagine getting, like, a Brees Hall in a later round, pairing him with Najee Harris? Like, like, yeah. man, that would be that would be a, a pretty nice duo. Like, obviously, that's not your your fourth round pick. That's m- maybe a third. Or, I like. I I wouldn't necessarily want to spend a second round pick on on a running back. But like, if you get someone like that in the middle rounds, whoo, yeah. Now now did, now, you're, now, you're, now you're talking. You're talking running game now.
2: Yeah, you get some explosiveness to pair with Najee's consistency. You're gonna you're gonna tear it off. That's gonna be good.
0: Okay. We are coming to the end of the show here. Uh, we do have uh, Brian Anthony Davis backstage. I, I know he wanted to come on, um, here, let, let's pull him up. The bad man himself, Brian Anthony Davis.
3: Gentlemen, doing, <laughs> this is one show that i just love to be on. And I don't think I've ever officially been on this show with Michael. I think I've been on it with Jeffrey. So I wanted to come on this show really quick and, uh, just you know congratulate y'all for a fantastic show i don't know what all's been said on the show tonight but as you know michael beck is going to this is going to be his last night on the curtain call not, not, not let me preface this not his last night with BTSC. he is still going to with the podcast network um because of scheduling we're going to move some things around so michael have you all mentioned anything yet or am i just breaking news
0: yeah no we we did talk about it a little bit off the top, but uh, anyone that uh, hasn't uh, that wasn't uh, here for the beginning of the show, of course, uh, my time uh, at the police academy, of course, is coming to a, a wrap here, and my schedule is gonna be uh, a little bit crazy and uh, not uh, not uh, as uh, streamlined as it has been. so uh, my my availability kind of dropped off a little bit. but um, yeah, so uh, of course, uh, we'll be missing out on the Wednesday nights, but, uh, Hopefully with this new schedule, I'll be able to bring a new show that uh, will be kind of a a floating show that we can hype up a little bit on social media so people know when it's coming. But hopefully to to bring in more guests, more uh, exclusive interviews, and
3: more fun stuff along those lines. And we will still have the live mic as well. But I need to say a few things here, Michael. First of all, congratulations for this new move because this is an honorable move. I love the fact that you're going to this career in law enforcement it is uh, a very honorable job and god bless you good luck with it make sure when i get up to canada that i get to do a ride along so i <laughs> you're I getting a ticket and going that.
0: straight to jail
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, can, I can imagine but no i'm very proud of you and all of us here at btsc are very proud of you this is a very brave profession and you know police officers uh do the, the way things are today Police. Officers don't get the respect that they deserve, and I think that you're going to be a fine addition to uh, the Canadian police force. I would love to have you on the American police force because <laughs> I trust you, and I think you're one of those honorable people, and uh, we love you for that. Mm, as far you. as this show goes, this is uh, this show is very special to me because I don't know if you know, I did a article for years when I first came on to BTSC called Know Your Enemy." And it was me trying to break down, break down the opposition. And I had so many articles I had to write. And man, it took me like a solid week to get it done. And like right before deadline, finishing it, li- being up late on Saturday nights, just trying to do all this stuff. And because I wasn't equipped to do it like somebody else would be. So we decided that, hey, this would be an awesome podcast, but we need the right people to do it. So the first person we talked about, when I say we, I talk about Jeff, Dave, and myself. First, people, first person we talked about was Michael Beck. And then putting him with the right guy, and that's Jeffrey Benedict. And this has been a cornerstone show for the last two years, whether it be Know Your Enemy or The Curtain Call. It has been an excellent show, and bringing in guests each and every week. And talking about it and the way you guys interact with with the guest, it has been a great show for BTSC. So, Michael, uh, I'm giving credit to Jeffrey, too. But that was all you, putting it together, being in the number one chair. And I really, really am proud of what you've done here. So thank you so much for what you've done.
0: Hey, it, it was an honor to be able to do this uh, every single week, uh, Sit next to Jeffrey Benedict, uh, and uh, hey, his, his knowledge on the film review just made me made me better. So uh, I couldn't have done it without him. I couldn't have done it without uh, the support of everyone at BTSC, really. Uh, it, it was. It's always fun coming on uh, Wednesday nights, breaking down the matchup, getting to learn a little bit more about the opponents, or uh, like right now, learning more about uh, the draftable prospects and uh, being
3: able to hang out with uh, such brilliant minds each and every week. Well, definitely. Thank you so much. And as for Shannon White, bringing him into this chair was a no brainer. And the reason it was a no brainer is because Shannon has blossomed in the last nine months or so since starting on The Hangover and bringing a lot to that show. And I love his mind. I definitely love Shannon's mind, and mixing it with Jeffries is going to be so much fun on this show. It is going, there's going to be, we're going to, we're, losing heart with Michael Beck and we're gaining heart with Shannon white. So I'm anxious to see where the show goes in the future. So Shannon, you're not leaving me on the hangover, but we're, uh, we're just expanding your role and I'm proud of you as well.
1: I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it. And, um, you know, I've loved to talk Stiller football and, uh, now being on two shows, two podcasts, um, uh, I'm on cloud nine and I just, uh, i'm really thankful so i appreciate y'all thinking of me
3: as for jeffrey benedict you have been in the sidecar and now you get the keys to the ferrari the great show so (laughs) i am really excited to see what you do with the show as well and your analysis i mean it's great because we've had two hosts on this show and the way you interact with guests as well has been fantastic so i can't wait to see what you do so gentlemen i'm done yapping I just want to tell everybody in the live chat and everybody that listens, whether it be Wednesday or Sunday night or whenever you listen to the curtain call slash know your enemy, that you're in great hands. And this is a fantastic bunch. And my job as podcast producer is easy because of people like Michael Beck, Jeffrey Benedict, and Shannon White. So, gentlemen, thank you so much. I am going to get on out of here, close up the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for uh, hopping on, Brian, and for
0: that uh, nice little uh, little uh, outro there for me. Uh, that means a lot. Um, before I sign out, uh, as always, we end the show with uh, plugging uh, what we got going on. So, Jeffrey, uh, man at the bottom there, man of the hour taking over the chair, of course. Uh, wh- what do you got for, uh, coming down the pipeline for uh, BTSC? Uh,
2: the big one is
0: coming out later this week, the film room on uh, what Terrell Edmonds' role was in the
2: Steelers' defense, looking at what... It, what is the, what are the Steelers going to be looking for in any safety that they pair with Minka Fitzpatrick? If it's Edmonds coming back, or if it's
0: someone different? Awesome, Shannon. Uh, first time for you on this show. Uh, plug plug what you got for the people.
1: Well, first of all, I want to say I love the film rooms and the so, GB does, and I call him GB, so I'm sure I'll do that sometimes. <laughs> um, That's and, cool. And you know, KT. Uh, you, you they're so informative and, and I learn a lot, uh, especially the terminologies and stuff of that nature that, you know, it's changed since I was, uh, you know, a young man, but uh, I had one article hit today about Alex Pierce um, and how I think he'd be a good value of a store, especially if you get him in the third or fourth round. Uh, and then I've got another uh, article coming up talking about the, uh, three inside linebackers for the Georgia Bulldogs, and how I think that uh, Channing, uh, Tyndale would be the best option of the three, and and explaining why because the Steelers need a buck linebacker badly. So, but that, that's all I got right now at the moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, it's all great stuff, and uh, everyone should be excited to check out all the great work from uh, Shannon. And Jeffrey, especially uh, with this show moving forward and uh, them be, uh, leading them in very capable hands. So I'm excited to watch it. Um, but uh, before we we get to all that, uh, just remind everyone, click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. As well as if, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook right now, you're still only getting about, what, a third of the story. Um, go to wherever you get your podcast from, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, you name it. BehindTheSteelCurtain is available there. You just uh, search behind the steel curtain. You can search Steelers. BTSC will show up. Uh, Make sure you're liking five stars, five stars, subscribe, whatever your podcast lets you do. Uh, Just do that. If you can support us, it just helps us make great content for each and every one of you. Uh, For people that are asking, this isn't the end of me at BTSC. Um, I'll still be doing the live mic. I'll be doing a a bit of a floating show, like uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, where you can catch me. it could be it could be a Sunday Monday Tuesday it could, any day of the week uh, it's kind of the plan uh, once the once my schedule starts going um, so I'll still be around you'll still catch me but um if you know if you remember way back when I started uh on the the, the know your enemy uh slash curtain call podcast I always had a hard time signing out not knowing what to say uh, when we uh, were signing out and saying goodbye to the people but for once I finally know what to say at the end of a show it just happens to be my last one so First and foremost, thank you for everyone that's been a a loyal listener um, for the last two years uh, of me being on the show. And uh, I want to end on this note. Jeffrey, Shannon, don't mess it up. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you uh, so much for tuning in today. And uh, the boys will catch you next week. See see you later, everybody. See you, Michael.